This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Okay. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. I am sure that many of us are familiar with that musical Annie. You know that, or you remember that one? Little red-headed girl, Annie, the, uh, you know, real optimistic, that orphan girl who is eventually adopted by a billionaire. But before that happy ending came, Annie and the other girls at that orphanage had to endure the abuse of Miss Hannigan. She was the drunken owner of the orphanage. And after a couple of attempts to run away from the orphanage, Annie manages to escape and runs into that that uh, uh, friendly stray dog. Remember that? And uh, she begins to talk with the dog, tells the dog of better days to come. And then, then comes that famous song, Tomorrow. The sun will come out. Tomorrow, bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there will be sun. Love that. Do you know that song, Tomorrow? I do. But maybe you're more of the, or maybe that's too sappy, but maybe you're more of the Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. You know, the gloomy, pessimistic, it says things like, if, I, if it was a good morning, which I doubt, things like that. Well, I'm not trying to promote optimism or pessimism here. What I want to promote is faith in God's promises, which give us real hope. Now, Annie talked about tomorrow, and I I like that. She was talking about she could see there was something if she just had to keep on going. And that's what God's telling us. The promise that I want us to explore and embrace is joy is coming soon. I promise Where does that promise appear in the Bible? Well, in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, it says, For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Excuse me. Life, Life is full of moments that are, well, very hard. Bring us to tears. But those dark times, those heartaches, can eventually be softened and lifted by the joy of the Lord. God makes this promise available to all people, but not everyone knows the Lord. And even those who know the Lord don't always cling to his promises. I have a story. I'm not going to get into the details of it. It is a sad, very sad story about this Canadian teenager named Amanda. She got blackmailed, threatened uh, about some pictures be circulated about her. She was humiliated, and she couldn't take it anymore. And she took her life. And one fella wrote about this girl, and he said, quote, If hope were a rain cloud, Amanda Todd lived in the Sahara Desert. She searched the skies for a reason to live. 
and found none. And he asked this question. Does God have a promise for someone like her? Does God have a word for the dark nights of the soul? And that answer is in Psalm 35. Weeping may last for the night. We've all experienced that reality, haven't we? You know, you don't need to read that Bible verse to know it's true. Weeping can last through the night. Ask the widow or the widower. Ask the father and the mother in the emergency room or the person who has lost their job or lost their way. Weeping may last through the night and through the next and the next. So the weeping may last through the night. It's not new news to any of us, but the second phrase may be new to us. Joy comes in the morning. When we know God, we know that despair will not rule the day. When we really know God, then we know that sorrow will not last forever. Yeah, the the storm clouds might eclipse the sun, but we know the sun's still there beyond the clouds. Night might delay the dawn, but it cannot defeat it. The morning sun always comes. Maybe not as quickly as, you know, we would like it to, and maybe not as dramatically as we desire, but morning comes, and with it comes joy. The sun will come out tomorrow, right? And that's great news for those of us who find ourselves in a dark night. Great news for those of us who have cried out for, for relief, those of us who may have lost hope. Or those of us who wonder if morning will ever bring our long night to an end. That must have been how Mary Magdalene felt Friday and Saturday nights following the crucifixion of Jesus. And before we review her experience that resurrection morning, remember where she had come from and what she had been through. Uh, Some speculate that Mary was a prostitute, but, you know, honestly, no one knows for sure about that. What we do know from Luke chapter 8 is that she knew Jesus, and she had seven demons. And demon possession, you know, that's a foreign concept for us. That's strange. It's hard for us to imagine the kind of prison the demons would keep her in. The negative influence that they may have exerted over her. Did Would she... Was she aware of everything going on and the afflictions of depression, the shame, and fear? We don't know. Uh, The number seven, sometimes used in the Bible to describe completeness. It, It could be that Mary Magdalene was completely consumed with troubles, but then Jesus stepped into her world. He spoke and the demons fled. For the first time in a long time, the oppressive forces over Mary were gone. We can imagine that after Jesus had cast out those demons, I bet you Mary could start sleeping through the night. She probably had a better appetite. She could smile again. I bet you when she looked in the mirror, the face she saw was not a face in anguish anymore. Truly, Jesus restored life to Mary. And Mary tried to show her appreciation. She tried to to show that back to the Lord. 
She was among the female followers uh, in the Bible. In Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, it gives a whole litany of the, the ladies who contributed to, uh, to their contributed support to the Lord out of their own private means. And whenever Jesus went, wherever he went, Mary followed. She heard him teach. She saw him perform miracles. She may even help you know, prepare his meals. She was always near Jesus, even when being near Jesus led her up Mount Calvary. You may be thinking, well, of course, I would go. I'd be there for him. Do you know how hard it had to have been to be near? Because the Bible tells us, John nineteen twenty five, Mary stood near the cross. She was standing there. When they laid that cross down, laid Jesus on it, and began to drive the nails through his hands and his feet, she saw the anguish and the pain as they lifted the cross up and it slammed down into place. And the pain as Jesus had to sit up, uh, up on that cross, hang up on that cross. As he, they pierced his side with a spear and then lowered his dead body from the cross and helped prepare it for burial. And so on Friday, Mary watched Jesus die, saw where he was buried. And then on Saturday, she observed the Sabbath. And when Sunday came, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb to finish the work she had begun on Friday. What is she looking for? I think I, I, she's probably looking for closure. How horrible a couple of days that had been, that whole week. The Bible says, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. That's John 20, verse 1. When she came to the tomb that morning, she knew nothing of the empty tomb. She came with no other motive than to wash the remaining blood off of the body of Jesus, to cover his body with spices, and to say goodbye. That was a dark morning for Mary, both literally and emotionally. But when Mary arrived at the tomb, <laughs> the bad news got worse. The Bible tells us that she saw the stone had been removed from the tomb. Assuming that grave robbers had taken the body, she hurried back down the trail to find Peter and John. When she found them, she said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Peter and John, you may remember, he, they ran to the gravesite. John was faster, arrived first, but Peter was bolder, right? He stepped inside immediately, and John followed. Peter saw the empty tomb. He wondered. John saw it and believed. It all came together for old John. The resurrection prophecies, the removed stone, the linen wrappings, the head cloth folded in place. And I think he probably concluded to himself, no one took the body. No one robbed the grave. Jesus arose from the dead. I wonder. I don't know. But he saw and believed the resurrection. So Peter and John left to tell the others. Now, if this was your first time reading the story and you got to this part, you know, you know Jesus is the protagonist and definitely Peter, Peter, James, and John are also big parts of the story. So you would think the narrator of this story would follow them. They're the big names. They're the ones that are going to be leading the story beyond this, right? But the, he, the narrator doesn't, which is John. He, he stays there with Mary outside the tomb. <laughs> 
Why marry? Well, we'll get to that in a second. That's where we stay. We can almost picture her. There she is. She's all alone. Peter and John left her. And she doesn't know what to do. She's crying. And the Bible says there in John 20, verses 11 to 13, But Mary was standing outside the tomb, weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, a lot of things in this that are interesting to me. Number one, you know, I can picture Mary. She's probably pacing. She's crying. She's alone. She doesn't know what to do. And then she looks back in the tomb again. Why does she look again? It's as if she's like, is he really gone? She doesn't know what to do. So she's, she's trying to find something, like someone who is distraught. And when she looks in there, there's those two people in there. And it doesn't even cross her mind like about how, who are they? How do they get in there? She just sees them. And then they ask this question that, if you think about it, is really silly. You have this lady crying at a cemetery, you could say, for, for us. Why else would they be crying? They're there to mourn a lost one. Woman, why are you weeping? Really? What do you mean, why am I weeping? What do you think? Why do you, what do you, so she mistook these angels for men. Why not? It was, you know, it was dark. Her eyes were filled with tears. Who would be expecting to see angels hanging around? Because they'd taken my Lord away. I don't know where they put him. Her world, Mary's world, is probably getting close to hitting rock bottom. Her master, her friend, was executed. His body had been buried in a borrowed grave. It looked like the tomb had been robbed and his body stolen. Her closure wasn't coming. And her dark moment became darker. But it was in the midst of of Mary's darkest moment that the sun came out. And John twenty fourteen and 15. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you, whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. I always found that statement that she makes there interesting. You know, sometimes I've wondered maybe Jesus was, you know, keeping himself from being recognized like he did to the to the two men walking with him at Emmaus. But I almost wonder maybe he wasn't keeping himself from her. That in her distraught, in her tears and blurred eyes, she's probably having looking. She doesn't even know who he is. She's just desperate to find the body of Jesus. And she didn't realize who it was that she was talking to. And recognize that she didn't realize who it was. The Bible says that Jesus said to her simply this one word in verse 16, Mary. Just simply her name, Mary. You know, I, I do that. When I want to get my kids' attention, not not in a bad way, you know, or like sometimes I might say, you know, Joshua Clay Mason, you better, you know, look at me. No, if if it's a tender, passionate, look at me, compassion, I might say Joshua, and he knows the tone, he knows the word when I say it like that, and he'll look at me expectingly. He knows, 
It's dad talking. I see Jesus doing this for Mary. Mary, he says. And whatever it was, when she heard him call her by name, she knew the source. And she said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And in that blink of an eye, in that split moment, it took her to turn around. Her world went from night to day, from despair to joy. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You know when I gave this lesson on Sunday morning, I talked about how it would be great if there was a if this scene could be painted, captured on a canvas. And I didn't know if there was anything out there. I didn't think there would be. You know, I kind of described what I would like to see. And and then that uh, that night, someone told me, you know, Chris, I did a little Google search, and there is. And they told me what to search for, and there sure are. There's tons of scenes of this actual scene painted. And John concludes this section, John 20, verse 18, with these words. And it says, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, uh, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. And as we were saying a moment ago, of all the people that Jesus could have spoken to first, he went to Mary. Think about that. How close is Jesus being done with work? Well, the hardest part's done. All that's left for him to do now is ascend into heaven and sit down at the right hand of God. This is it. I mean, this is like a big deal. He had just pretty much tore off the gates of hell. He uh, finished off Satan. He turned B.C. to A.D., right? (laughs) And he's the undisputed king of the universe. All the angels are at attention, ready to serve. And his first act, who does he go to? Mary. Weeping, heartbroken Mary, who once had seven demons. And why her? She didn't become a missionary, did she? Not that we know of. No epistle is written by her. The New Testament stories, uh, there's a little bit about her, but none of her works. Who is she? Why did Jesus create this moment for Mary? Maybe it was to send this message to all the heavy-hearted people. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes. And it comes because Jesus comes. Tomorrow comes because God keeps his promises. And these promises and whatever and all the other promises God has made are true and will come true. But we must trust in God and in his promises. And we must await patiently for the Lord to fulfill those. Don't give up. During the night, hold on, wait for daybreak. God loves you and me both. And because he loves us, we can be assured that the joy will come. I want to tell you another story. Mary, It's about Mary Cushman. Now, this is going to sound like a very sad story. But take heart, it has a good ending, okay? I'm just, I don't want you to get all worried that this is going to be very depressing. It's going to sound like it will be, but it has a good ending. Just hold to the end. Mary Cushman lived during the Great Depression of the 1930s, 
And uh, they, everything they had, you know, their, their family was devastated by that. Her husband's paycheck was shrinking to almost nothing. She had to start doing laundry and ironing to try to, to make some money for the family, to dress her, her five kids. She was getting things from Salvation Army, whatever they had. And too big, didn't matter, put it on the kids. And at one point, the local grocer to whom she owed money already accused her 11-year-old son of stealing. Now, you may be thinking, well, okay, it's not so far not so I mean, that's bad, but not so bad. Having the grocer during the Great Depression whom you owed money accuse your child of stealing was a huge deal. You think he's going to let them have anything else on credit at that point? You think he's going to let that kid come back in that store? You think he's going to uh, treat her fair with fairly? No. No. And that was the last straw. It was all she could take. She said, quote, I couldn't see any hope. I shut off my washing machine, took my little five-year-old daughter into the bedroom. I plugged up the windows and cracks with papers and rags. I turned on the gas heater we had in the bedroom, and I did not light it. As I lay down on the bed with my daughter beside me, she said, Mommy, this is funny. We just got up a little while ago from a nap. But I said, never mind. We'll take a little nap. And I closed my eyes, listening to the gas escape from the heater. I shall never forget the smell of that gas. Suddenly, I thought I heard music. I listened. I had forgotten to turn the radio off in the kitchen. It didn't matter now, but the music kept on, and presently I heard someone singing an old hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And as I listened to that hymn, I realized that I had made a tragic mistake. I tried to fight all my terrible battles alone. I jumped up, turned off the gas, opened the door, and raised the windows. Mary Cushman went on to explain that she spent the rest of the day giving thanks to God for the blessings she had forgotten, like her five healthy children. And she promised she would never again be ungrateful. The family eventually lost their home, but she never lost her hope. They weathered the depression. The five children grew up, married, and had other children. And she said, as I look back on that terrible day when I turned on the gas, I thank God over and over that I woke up in time. What joys I would have missed, how many wonderful years I would have forfeited forever. Whenever I hear now of someone who wants to end this life, I feel like crying out, don't do it. The blackest moments we live through can only last a little time, and when, uh, and then comes the future. Tomorrow comes, and joy comes. Watch for it. Expect it as you would the morning sunshine. It came to Mary Mandolin. It came to Mary Cushman. It will come for us as well. So what do God's people of his promise do? Keep on keeping on, right? 
Even though the path may be dark, even though the sun seems to sleep, even though everyone else is silent and distant, God's people of faith and hope keep walking on. The saints keep marching on. Mary did that. Mary Magdalene did that. She didn't comprehend the promise of Jesus. She came to the tomb that morning thinking he was gone, not living, but at least she came. And because she came, Jesus came to her. We might be tempted to give up, walk away, but we must not. Even when we don't feel like it, we must keep walking the trail to the empty tomb, opening our Bibles, meditating on Scripture, singing hymns, and being with other fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And so... We keep on. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. And the greatest of all the mornings that will come will be the morning we wake up in heaven. We're familiar, perhaps, with a description of heaven in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away, and he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And then the next chapter, chapter 22, verses 3 through 5, there will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him, they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp for the light of the sun, or, or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. Everybody will be happy. Over there, that old song, hymn song. And so joy will come in the morning. And if it doesn't come in the morning on this side of eternity, I guarantee it will come in the morning on that side. So hang on to God. Hang on to his promises. Don't ever give up. Joy is coming soon. And you can take that to the bank. The sun will come out tomorrow. Thank you for being here. And God bless. Bring the message out. Sending up to sweep away till she'll dawn the better day. Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.